This is Selfaholic, where you become addicted to finding your true purpose in life, and I am Monica Barnes. My guest today is Alexa Schmidt, who is a neurotherapist and nutritionist. She is an entrepreneur, founder, and owner of It Comes Naturally and Elite Neuroperformance, where she has helped patients that suffer from different disorders as ADHD, anxiety, depression, and many more. She has also helped professional athletes from all over the sports world, NFL, NBA, golf, and world-class martial artists get back their focus, mental clarity, and competitive edge. She is now adding on to her onto this impressive resume, developing a line of natural food products that will encompass whole foods, CBD, and medicinal herbs. Oh, and did I mention she has been a major competitive and professional dancer most of her life? Welcome to Selfaholic, Alexa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, yeah, I mean, you summed it up. It's It seems a little wordy hearing it from someone else. But um, yeah, I've been, you know, professional dance world came first and did that my entire life. And then decided to take, I guess, a hard left into the science world and just kind of fell in love with that as well and found a new passion for helping others and being able to help them navigate key in that being naturally, how to help heal root causes of issues rather than just kind of putting a Band-Aid on them, which I definitely feel strongly that Western medicine does. So now I am continuing to navigate that with being able to not just bring therapy to people, but also products that they can access and trust that they're good and that they're going to help. That's incredible. Thanks. I'm, I'm very, actually very excited and I definitely want to get more into those products uh, a little later. Yeah. And how you're going to develop and how those are going to work. Definitely. Um, I wanted to start off uh, first with, um, you started off as a competitive and then a professional dancer. Uh, tell us about that and what it taught you. Sure. I mean, from the beginning, day day one, I, I fell into dance as, as most girls do. I think everyone at some point has been like, oh, I was a dancer, you know, and you start when you're three and you kind of take the cute little combo ballet tap class. And I think for me, it was pretty evident early on that dance was not something I was just good at, but also I loved. I mean, it was just kind of this weird understanding at a very young age that I just knew this is where I was supposed to be. Um, so I've always felt very lucky to have had that in my life. Um, not just for what dance teaches someone, because when you reach the professional level that I did and did for a long time, um, it teaches extreme dedication and commitment and discipline. Um, you know, we are so there's a, there's a high expectation as a dancer where you have to be perfect in this weird kind of image. And it's, and it's someone else's image for sure, not necessarily what's even best for you. Um, so in a twisted way, do I think that that was good for me? I do, because it, it gave me this drive and focus that I don't know I would have had learning it from somewhere else. Um, but it also was a challenge for me to overcome throughout that process. And then later in life too, being able to understand that, you know, there were expectations on me that maybe weren't the, the most healthy or um, what I was meant to be physically or mentally, um, but I overcame them. So, so it definitely gave me a lot of learning in life. Um, but I, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because it was definitely who I was meant to be. There was, there was no other 
thing I could have imagined myself doing for that long. Do you think, um, with, uh, dance with shows like dance mom and other competitive shows, do you think, uh, this is, this is going to uh, be, there's going to be a lot of girls, um, new norm. They're always going to be looking for, uh, how do I say, uh, the next best thing, never settling that they're always going to be a little, uh, bit damaged from that. Sure. I think there's a, a damage complex to every dancer. Um, what, whether it's, you know, it differs person to person, but, you know, I think the extreme things that people see who aren't in the dance world, you know, you see a show like dance moms and obviously it's, it's amped up for TV, of course, you know, the, the drama and the, the cat fighting and things, but, but there's some truth to that. It is a reality that comes with the dance world. Um, But I I do think with any competitor, any athlete, you know, someone who spends most of their life training and honing a craft to be so finely tuned um, that you are a peak performer, you know, you're really at that top level. Um, It comes with a competitive mindset. And and I know for me, I always thought it was a good thing being competitive and then being successful at it helped me have a ton of confidence in anything I did just because I knew, well, hell, if I can do this, which is like the most physically demanding thing a human can do, I can do anything. But on the flip side of that coin, I think is always, um, yeah, the, the chasing the unattainable merely for the challenge. Um, and sure. Does that leave someone maybe unsettled or unsatisfied? It sure, it surely could. And I know in my own life, I do struggle with that at times thinking, you know, if I don't reach this goal, then I've somehow failed. And, and that goal may be something completely erroneous and not related to anything in my life that I'm working on, but I merely wanted to chase the goal just for the thrill. Um, so yeah, I think sometimes that can be a little damaging if you let it impact you negatively. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that happening because sometimes I, I can see where having uh, a goal to achieve is a very positive thing because it's Mm -hmm. something to look forward to and keep your focus and move towards. Right. Um, But um, at least when I'm watching, I've watched those shows or something like that. The goal is such a short term goal, meaning it's for that week. And then once it's done, it's another one. And then it's another one. And then it's another one. So it's not your your goal is not uh, a long-term one that drives you. It just seems so next, 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 next. Oh yeah, it is. And and I, I see that now in my, I guess, more adult life and professional life. Now that my profession isn't dancing, it, it really was kind of these immediate short-term goals. Um, and it, it does leave you a little dissatisfied because that isn't usually how the professional world works. You have to build. It's this long trajectory you're working towards. Um, and so it's easy to get bored. It's easy to get disengaged from things because you think, oh, well, I've kind of conquered this and now it's time to move on to the next. Um, and I mean, blame that maybe on me being a Gemini too. You understand. Um, yeah, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, I've done this for long enough. It's time to move on. Um, but but it has. I, I've jokingly been called by family and friends, like the one and done girl. Cause I go on, I tackle something, I conquer it. I, I 
get the accolade, the win, whatever it is. And then I'm on to the next thing immediately. Um, and it hasn't been a negative thing in my life as of yet, but I do find it giving me a difficult time as far as like focusing and committing long-term to something. And that's funny because I actually, uh, like sometimes uh, a little bit of a longer, you know, cause, uh, it, it, as you said, Gemini, you know, we can all of a sudden go, Oh, pretty. Yeah. You know, and much so. so it's like a little, <laughs> so, so sometimes a little bit of a longer goal, uh, keeps mm-hmm. me more centered. Right. It's true. Yeah. It's a grounding point. Yeah. Cause, mm-hmm. cause we do need that. We need, and sometimes those are people in our life. I've realized not so much my activities because I've tried to make the activities, the long goals, and it's like not always the best, but the people being the tether or the weight that at least just keeps you a little bit more centered. That's helped me a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> people can keep you a little bit more centered. Yeah. <laughs> a little more aligned. <laughs> They're like, no, this is your lane. Stay just right. a little bit more back in there. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm actually, I'm really uh, interested in this uh, neurotherapy. Can you tell me about that? Sure. Um, yeah, so it is a alternative or integrative um, medical therapy for the brain. Um, it is a finally recognized as a level one or equal intervention to medication for neurological disorders or psychological diagnoses. Um, but in, in the short, it is basically a completely non-invasive way of helping train or strengthen the brain to behave in the appropriate patterns we want it to behave in rather than the misaligned ones that most people, honestly, every human being is a little imbalanced. Um, but more aggressively for those that are diagnosed with anything from anxiety, depression, children with ADHD, even autism spectrum disorders, um, just general stress and sleep apnea or sleep insomnia. Um, and then down kind of the line, if we go the more peak performance type clients or patients that I've had, um, we're talking about professional athletes that just need to be able to quiet their mind and laser that focus to full-blown concussion, traumatic brain injuries, and then just high-strung executives that might need kind of an USA moment for their brain. Um, overall, it's basically like going to the gym and training your brain to behave appropriately so that your life can be easier. And how do you do that? So we'll try to create this visual for those listening. So um, basically someone comes in and uh, the patient will sit. We connect them to leads or electrodes that are attached to their head. Um, the area that we train or we attach those electrodes to has been defined by a quantitative EEG or what, I, what we call a brain map that's been done earlier. Um, so that's more like the diagnostic assessment of the level of your brain, uh, where it's at currently and where it needs to go. Um, so that gives me the roadmap on how to heal you. So we connect those electrodes to the areas of the brain that we need to work on. Um, and then you are essentially through a variety of wires and um, software systems and pieces of medical equipment. You're connected to um, my side, which is a laptop where I'm able to use the software to read and essentially listen and watch your brain activity. And for you as the patient, you sit and you get to watch um, a movie or listen to music. And that serves as the stimuli for you during your session. Um, the point of the music and the movie is not necessarily what it is and more just about you having something entertaining to do. And your goal is just to sit and try to quiet your mind and focus on what you're watching or listening to. 
And while you're doing that, I am sending um, essentially positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement to your brain by taking certain things away. So if you're watching the movie, for instance, the volume might cut out or the screen is going to fluctuate in almost this like pulsing of darkness and brightness. And so your brain comprehends that on a very subconscious level that if I want to watch this movie and I want to be able to see it and I want to be able to hear it, then I need to start adjusting to the suggestions we are giving it through the electrodes. Basically, meaning we are taking the frequency ranges or the electrical activity in the brain and either reducing it or increasing it or guiding it in the way we would want it to do. Similar you would do to your muscles in the gym, um, but instead we're doing it to your brain. And so over time that strengthens and reinforces those connections to the brain so that it can eventually do it on its own without the encouragement or the actual physical training there. Um, Again, comparing it to your physical body when you go to the gym, if it's the first time you've ever worked out in your life, you know, you're usually very sore, very tired. You don't see results immediately, but as you commit to that process and you continue to strengthen those muscles and train them the way they're supposed to be, or, or that you want them to be, um, over time comes a physical physique change an actual strength change. And those adaptations then are there for you to use how you will. So same idea is just applied to the brain. Very interesting. Now, I didn't know, um, because I was also looking up the uh, mind mapping, Mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't know that was before. So the mind mapping um, comes beforehand. Right. So that's actually a diagnostic test where we can see completely objectively what's going on in the brain. We're looking at the electrical activity um, and essentially the outputs that, you know, over 19 to 24 channels of your brain is giving off. Um, It's similar to uh, a hospital style EEG, which some people, if they've ever had a sleep study done, or if they've ever had epilepsy or something, they've probably had a basic EEG done. And so the difference is, is that we're taking that same technology and we're quantifying it. So we're giving it purpose and meaning based on the areas of which those electrical outputs are coming from. So for instance, the front of the brain is responsible in humans for attention and focus and decision-making and quick thinking. And so if you have certain behaviors going on in that area that are not quote unquote normal, it might contribute to things like inability to focus, ADD-like symptoms, kind of a distracted mind, um, and whatnot. So, so that's how we're able to identify where it's coming from, but also why or what is happening. Now, maybe you can explain to us when you're looking at uh, the mapping and looking at why um, these things are happening. Mm-hmm. Do you see it? Do you see a difference between, let's say, the average Joe person that's coming in, maybe having ADHD or um, focus? You know. Um, uh, issues of depression versus sure. maybe um, a, a skilled, very trained athlete. Is do you see a big difference? Um, there, the there, there's been differences that I've seen for sure. I, I think one thing to note is that typically higher performing individuals, which I've always thought was interesting, but I guess when we look at it a certain way, it makes sense. High performers, whether it's a cognitive performance, so we'll say very bright, very intelligent, um, genius level people, high performing athletes, um, or even just like executives who are, you know, driven entrepreneurs, you know, big time people like that, they have a commonality in that their brain is typically exhausted. Um, And yet, despite those levels that 
come in low from a clinical viewpoint of just looking at the data. Um, that despite that, they're able to perform and, and obviously continue having a successful career or lifestyle. So something about that tells me and, and research that we've done in the field for years that there is another cofactor there that kind of contributes to people being peak performers because despite running their brain into the ground and being exhausted, they're still able to perform at such a high level versus maybe someone else that you're saying an average Joe who after a day of work or something would say, oh, I'm beat and I, I wouldn't be able to do anything else. But maybe that task level wasn't as difficult. Um, so, so yeah, it's fascinating the commonalities amongst different groups of people, but have kind of a similar expectation as far as their performance. That's amazing. So, so you can actually see that their brain is exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. We can see levels that are what I call low power. Um, but basically what that means is that the electrical output or the, the power source that your brain has, um, because if, if we can visualize this, the brain in all of our heads, um, think about all how complex it is, right? It, it has so many things to do for us. We think we're in control, but really the brain has so many things that it's responsible for that we don't really make any decisions regarding ever. Um, but all that power, billion bits of information being processed every second is running on probably the equivalent of like a 15 watt light bulb. And so we think about <laughs> buying a light bulb and putting it in, in our home, how dim 15 watts of power would appear. Um, so it is surprising that we are able to do what we do and be these complex creatures and, and skilled humans with very little <laughs> power. So that fine line of people kind of dipping into that low power range just means that that power source or that wattage um, is starting to dwindle. And so going through therapy allows us to have a chance to give those people some of that power back, essentially like plugging in your phone to the wall and getting a charge. Wow, 15 watts. <laughs> yeah, it's not a lot. <laughs> we're, um, we're, we're running on a very minimal source, but able to do so much. It's, it's fascinating. So when uh, we say somebody's a dim light bulb, we yeah. mean it. It's appropriate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always have a saying, you know, it's not the brightest light on the Christmas tree. So, Right, there you uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, I have a question. I know um, a couple of years ago you suffered a tragic accident uh, that stopped your dance career. Um. Do you believe uh, you would be doing this if you hadn't have had that accident? You know, I've thought on that quite a bit. I had to do a lot of soul searching and spend a lot of time, you know, laid up on a couch, not able to move and in chronic pain. And it kind of makes your brain do things that you wouldn't necessarily do or have the time to <laughs> think on. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think, before I hurt myself, I was definitely pursuing the field because I knew all along being a dancer, it, your body at some point is going to run out, whether it's full-blown injury that stops your career or like any athlete, you know, the wear and tear, you can only do so much because we do it for so long at such a high level. You know, the equation is eventually it will end. So I knew I had to have chapter two set up at some point. I just definitely didn't expect it to happen when it did. And I didn't think it was going to happen that early in my life. Um, but it did allow me in a weird way to refocus and, and truly find 
what I needed to do in my life. Cause I think so much of my identity had come from being a dancer and what that meant. And that's how I defined myself forever. There were, there was no other identity, even though I had a ton of other skills and I had so many other experiences and I wasn't good at just one thing. Um, it was definitely the wave I was riding for so long. So when that was taken from me, it definitely made me sit and think about who I really was, because if I didn't have that anymore, how do I define myself? What do I say when people ask me, what do you do? What do you love? What are you? Because dance is always the answer to all those questions. Um, so if it's gone, what do I do? So I think now being able to say that I have, you know, a Rolodex of skills and I've been able to pursue a lot of them into business and professional things that, that, you know, don't necessarily have to define who I am, but it does make up part of who I am. Um, so in a way, right. I think it probably led me in that direction, or at least gave me a push to fully commit and say, this is where you need to be. Um, cause without it, I don't, I don't know what I would have done. Did you find the, this, uh, path to help you? Is that how you got into it? It, it did. Um, it was something, like I said, I was pursuing already in the sense of, educating myself, becoming board certified, doing my master's, like all, all the extensive schooling and whatnot. I was, you know, I was originally pre-med and, and took a different neuropsychology route. And so I always knew I'd end up in the sciences. Um, but the world, the bigger world, just outside of the brain world that I work in, the nutrition, the holistic medicine, the herbal remedies, um, a lot of being able to help myself was finding natural ways to help me because Western and common medicine didn't do anything for me. The, the meds didn't work. I had to have emergency surgery because I was paralyzed. But even after that, I have, you know, a neurosurgeon telling me, oh, you'll be fine. Once you get the surgery done, you're young, you're athletic, it'll be no problem. Wake up from surgery, fast forward two years after surgery, and I'm still in chronic pain. I can't move my leg. I can't sit. I can't drive. I can't put my own shoes on. It, I mean, it was a nagging, constant inescapable reality that I felt like I'd woken up from surgery, zipped up into someone else's body and couldn't get out. And so no one was going to help me other than myself. And so I had to find ways to fix it because I was not going to live like that every day. It was, it was taking me down and it made me become someone I definitely wasn't, you know, these rock bottom or dark places that a lot of us experience in life. You, you can either choose to stay there or choose to figure out how to get out. Um, and so that's what I had to do. I, I had to find ways to help heal myself. And so I was on a full-time mission and focus to fix it. And honestly, coming off of all that craziness that I was living in for so long, I did fix the issue in a sense that I can now live relatively pain-free and have regained a lot of mobility and freedom, but it big picture completely changed who I was. And I don't know that if I hadn't found that darkness and that pit in my life, that I would be the best version of myself now. You know what I mean? So, so it was definitely a journey, but one that I think despite how terrible it was, was something I was supposed to do. And would you say that in general, that is like your aha moment? Right. It, it, it was a, a huge awakening because 
one, I was so shocked and, and devastated and, and definitely depressed. You know, I'd never been a depressed person, but I went through a period of it of just feeling one chronic pain will take you out. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's not something that, cause you can't get away from it. It's just with you every day. It's like that dark passenger that's just lingering in the background that you wish for five minutes, even you could just make it disappear and you can't. Um, so getting away from that was a huge moment for me. And I definitely had a, like a massive breakthrough. I, I remember the moment when it happened and I had like a, what I would describe, I still describe it to this day as like a purging of the anger and the fear and all the emotions I had. I just had to release them all. And with that came this huge shift in my physical healing. It, it was, a lot of people think it sounds so crazy, but you hold on to all those emotions. That's what the pain is. The pain are, it's those emotions trapped inside of you and it finds a weak spot in your body to home and harvest and sit. And until you process it and get it out, it, it won't get any better. And how did you process that? I went through, I mean, the, the phase of what I did, I did every physical medical procedure and therapy thinking I could heal it topically. I guess we look at it that way, right? Like I'll go to this type of physical therapy and then I'll go to aqua therapy and I swam with the adorable old people. And I, you know, I did all these things that I thought, cause I would do anything. There was nothing I wasn't willing to do. If someone promised even a 10% improvement, sign me up. I'm there. Um, and when I started going to more effective therapies like acupuncture and, um, physical massage, but it's, it's medical in the sense that it's almost like Reiki where it's, it's removing the negative energy and the stagnation of my injury and, um, cupping and things that actually pull out parts of your body that don't need to be there. It's not supposed to be there. The injury wasn't meant to happen. So get rid of it. Um, and then beyond that, I did hypnotherapy and, um, vibrational therapy and, and all kinds of emotional healing. Cause I finally recognized that, Hey, this was a physical issue that someone surgically and physically fixed, but you are still struggling with all this pain. Why scientifically, medically, you know, my world, I know that's not how you're supposed to feel. So why am I still in all this pain? And so the emotional, spiritual, mental journey I did is how I was able to fix all that. And then the final straw was I had made some progress, but still felt emotionally just out of, out of my body. And so I started a, an herbal remedy, essentially mixes of flowers and, and natural herbs, Chinese herbs. And I was taking these and they were, um, loosely described to me as you know, for those that don't know, herbs and flowers have a lot of powerful um, impact on our body as far as our emotions and how we feel in our mental state. And so without any, you know, psychedelic tripping or anything like that, just merely making teas and tinctures and drinking these, it cleansed my soul. And, and it sounds so silly, but it forced all those emotions to the surface because I'd been spending so much time trying to bury them that it, it wasn't accessible through the top down or topical approach that I'd been going for, for so long. So from the inside out, literally it pushed everything to the surface to where I had no choice other than to have a full mental breakdown and then have this overwhelming sense of clarity come immediately after and realizing that that release, that huge emotional, just exorcism 
is what brought me to the clarity or the other side that I needed and realized, wow, okay, I, I, that, that's good that we did that, but it's done, it's over and we're on to the next. And so it was a wild journey, but I'm so glad that it happened. So that dark passenger being the anger that what you loved and your passion was taken away. Absolutely. The anger yeah. that I didn't have that anymore. The anger that I had to be in pain. Cause I mean, it, if you're at a level of pain that's high enough, you are so angry all the time. It just, and it made me feel bad because I wasn't myself anymore. So my friends thought everything was wrong with me. My family thought something was wrong with me and everyone just wanted help. But all I wanted was them to leave me alone. And that just wasn't, it wasn't an acceptable answer for the people that cared about me. And I felt guilty too. So there, there was that element too, where I was like, why are you being such an asshole? Like, don't be mean to them. But, but I was. Um, so it was, it was a lot of learning that I had to do. Now talking about, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, talking about the herbs and the flowers, is that what you are incorporating uh, into this whole food? Yes. Yeah, so my goal is to bring herbal remedies and whole foods. And when I say whole foods, I don't mean the market, but I mean the actual food, the way we acquire a vegetable or an herb or a plant without taking it apart and using its pieces separately in things and actually treating it in its contained state because a lot of its benefits and properties come from it being whole. Um, and so being able to incorporate that in a more mainstream way for people um, so that this type of medicine can be normalized because it really does help. It, it's Our bodies are natural beings and we should be fed with natural things that our body can understand. Our body doesn't have, a, you know, a lack of Prozac in our system. Our body doesn't have an absence of a leave for pain, you know, or Motrin, whatever it might be. Like those things might help, but it's because we're chemically, you know, humanly creating them to make adjustments. And so if we can bring products in food and beverages and other items that I'm working on developing, people can enjoy them and, and have access to them where it might actually help cure issues that they didn't even know could be cured like that. When I was going over your website and uh, looking at everything last night, um, it's funny because I was writing and taking notes. And every time I wrote something uh, regarding the whole food and your stuff, I realized I kept on going back and looking and I had, I kept on writing balancing. Mm -hmm. And that word kept on getting in there, even though it wasn't in everything. I just somehow had balancing in there, balancing, balancing. Because right. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I just feel like it, that's what it would do. Somehow it would balance uh, Absolutely. what's going on in, in people. Totally. I, I think balance is in, in science, in the medical world, known as a word homeostasis. And homeostasis in most simple definition just means balance or a happy medium that your body's energy wants to be at. It's the state we're all trying to achieve all the time, but being humans and living on earth, we have a lot of vices and things that throw off that balance. And it's, there's no shame in the game, but you know, a lot of our behaviors or the way we live our lives or the things that we put into our body throws off that homeostasis. And so your body's constantly trying to reach that again. And so if you can find it more often, you will be a happier, healthy person. 
I know for me, and as I was telling you earlier, uh, you know, I uh, had a birthday, I turned 50 and uh, woke up the, the next day, literally in menopause. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not balanced. <laughs> <laughs> I am so not balanced. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> it, it's it's not. Um you know, I, I said this gentleman the other day, I said, uh, you know, you're, uh, the universe says, well, you're 50, so you're, you know, you're not hot anymore, so I'll give you hot flashes, so you are hot. <laughs> See, not, not nice. <laughs> nice, not nice at all. Um, so uh, as I was told you, the housekeeper comes Tuesday, so you can move in uh, on Wednesday. Perfect. I'll, I'll put uh, <laughs> fresh sheets on the bed. Uh <laughs> Because uh, I need to get balanced here. Um, now, what you're doing is uh, touching so many different people uh, on many different levels of age and where they're at in their lives. Um, how does the average person listening to you today start their healthier journey? I mean, it is a multi-level thing, and it's a convoluted question. But I always start with what we're putting in is what we're going to get out. So some of the easiest things that you can tweak just to boost your general health, and they seem so simple, but the power of them once you actually commit to it is outstanding. Um, And number one is hydration. I promise you all of us are living in a dehydrated state all of the time. And it's exactly, (laughs) we all should be walking around with a huge container of H2O all the time. Um, and, And most of the time it's also not all water is created equally in that a lot of the waters that we purchase come in plastic bottles or sourced from a not so great place that the the water itself is actually lacking a lot of electrolytes and essential nutrients that we might need and instead fortified with fluoride and other gross things that, you know, are in, in our world. Um, so hydration is key. And my favorite fun fact for people is that if you want to know how much water you should be drinking each day, because it is a totally personal and customized situation, take your body weight, whatever that number is, and cut that number in half. That number is how many fluid ounces of water you should be benchmarking or baselining your goal for that day. So obviously the easy example is take a hundred pound person, which is not a very big person. (laughs) That's a tiny human. Um, They need at least 50 fluid ounces of water a day. So if you're not even reaching that goal, um, you, you can imagine how much more water anyone might need. Um, so that's step one for sure. And then I think quality of sleep is highly underrated, especially amongst Americans, just because we work so much, we run at a very high rate. Um, we live in a world that is constantly going and being stimulated by you know, things that we're watching on social media and TV and we have phones and all these tablets. And again, it's not me bashing like the world of electronics because I use them too, but it has a time and a place. And if you can take that out of your routine after a certain time in the evening and actually allow yourself to naturally wind down, allow your natural melatonin uh, production to increase, which happens when the sun sets. Um, And then even maybe incorporate something like magnesium. It's a natural supplement that you can take. It's an essential mineral that we all need. It's an electrolyte when we are dehydrated. Um, But it actually is very powerful in relaxing the body, our muscles, our mind. It helps ease any sort of tension or pain that we have. And 
doing that before you sleep helps set you up for a more successful night. And I think those two simple things alone, because we all have control over those things, you know, we can't always control our hormones. We can't control our age. We can't control those things. We can support them and do other habits or, or rituals to, to get us through. But those two things alone, hydration and sleep can change your life dramatically and you can start them today. <laughs> Great. Now, um, I saw on also on your webpage that you do a food testing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, um, blood draw that we can do. It's as simple as a finger prick. Um, and there's actually companies now that do it over the counter, so to speak, where you can order it online and they'll send the kit to you and, and do a prick. Um, but I do a similar testing in, uh, medical offices where I work, where we take your blood and we compare it to sometimes 96 to 150 foods and, Basically, if your blood responds with antibodies to particular foods or fruit groups, that signifies that your body doesn't like that food in a, in a simple way, um, or that your body would create inflammation if it was in your bloodstream and then being digested in your body. So it helps identify foods that you shouldn't be eating. And again, a customized way for you to excel and have success, whether it's weight loss or weight gain for some people or just peak performance, just not feeling tired and foggy minded and mood disorders. All those things can be impacted almost 90 plus percent by what we eat. Um, so being able to have a roadmap to show you exactly what you need to eliminate um, is super helpful. That's very interesting. Cause I, I, you know, I know about food allergies. Right. But it's um, the difference there is that so food allergies versus food intolerances, um, food allergies are typically, you know, an anaphylactic response. A lot of people will get like the scratch tests like on their arm or their back um, and would have an aggressive allergic response to it that way, but can have similar symptoms like itchy throat or watering eyes or like having to <clears throat> clear your throat all the time, digestive issues, acne, skin problems. Like I said, I mean, the list goes on and on but it can be related to just a food that you're intolerant to. And that intolerance is essentially that inflammation where your body, the minute it, <laughs> the food gets in there is like, not again. And so it has to go to war. Mm -hmm. And it, so it spends all this time and energy fighting these foods that if they just weren't in your bloodstream and your system, life would be so much easier. Well, I'll definitely have to do that one for sure. Yeah. First, sure. I do notice that when you said something, I, I noticed one thing I do is certain foods I eat. And then a little bit later, I'm like, <clears throat> And it oh, feels yeah. like my throat's just not happy. Right. It'll cause like um, excess phlegm. A lot of people have sinus congestion and issues. That's food-related headaches. Um, I mean, it, it's it's crazy, the, the difference. I, I myself am highly, highly intolerant to eggs. And I have been an egg-free human for 10 years now. And the insane life change that it brought me as far as just skin to migraines to sleep to foggy brain i mean it night and day difference so i can't recommend it enough for people who think that they might have something going on well everyone will have to check that out and we will definitely be giving your information uh towards the end of this so people yeah, can contact sure. you um and because i know you i know you recently had a big beautiful birthday I did. I turned 30 this year and that was crazy. <laughs> 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 oh, it's wild. I don't, I don't know what that is about that number that was so scary for me because I don't feel any different now. So it's, it's fine, but approaching it, I think there's just this 
for me at least, I felt like there was a stigma on 30 that, you know, I'm no longer in my twenties, which means I'm no longer young or, you know, anything like that, which is so silly. But, you know, as women, I feel like we have this complex that we create where it's like, we fear aging. And so like running the opposite direction of where the clock is taking us is always the goal. Um, I'm definitely guilty. So yeah, it was a, it was a big birthday. Obviously our current coronavirus COVID times prevented us from celebrating the way we had planned, but you know, celebrating nonetheless. So it was, it was good, but it was, it was daunting for sure. <laughs> I, you know, um, 30, it does build up in your head. Um, but, uh, as I told you, I loved my thirties, my thirties rocked. Everyone keeps saying that. So I'm holding on to it. I'm like, yes. Okay. Maybe this is like the decade. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I was uh, 29, I opened up a coffee house and a restaurant and people were like, oh my God, you're 29. God, you're really ahead. That's great. You're young. What, you know, how incredible. And then I turned 30, you know, a couple months later and people were like, well, it's about time you figured out what you're doing. Right. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) a couple months ago, I was so ahead of the curve. What happened? (laughs) It is. It's unbelievable. It's this weird the minute you say 20 anything, it's like, oh, you're so young. The minute the third comes out of your mouth, nope, you're old. It's done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, uh, people, it, it is. It's uh, the stigmas that they stick to. But I, I actually do believe that uh, times have changed where they say, you know, 30 is the new 20. It is. I really do. Because time has changed with, uh, like you said, with what you're doing. Um, helping us stay um, healthier, longer. Right. Yeah. Well, and it'll keep you young. I mean, health and vitality is what youth is, right? So if we can prolong that for as long as we can, then yes, quality of life is better. But then, yeah, we we probably look and feel better too. So. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Um, Now, um, you're a young female entrepreneur putting everything you have out there to make a difference in people's lives and the world. Um, what is it like out there for you and other women? Oof. Um, it's tough. I will tell you that I have spent hmm, the most of my twenties kind of coming off of that idea, growing a business or two or three, um, having to take meetings with financiers or people who are going to invest or the NFL, for instance, and sitting with the coach and players and their medical staff. Um, we're talking to the, the basically commissioner of safety for the entire NFL. So, you know, I, I've sat at tables with some pretty big people. And I think the toughest part has been the assumption that because you are a young female, that one, you're definitely not the boss and who I'm having the meeting with you must be the secretary, the assistant that's going to take notes and just let me know when your boss gets here. Um, which is always a great foot to start on with people in a meeting. Um, but then to this idea that you somehow lack experience because of age or wisdom because of age, because I do believe that, uh, you know, call it old soul. I don't, I don't know that the inner part of me is as young as maybe my actual biological age. So I think having to spend a lot of time proving people wrong um, are some of the challenges I've definitely faced, at least on the negative side. Um, But I think positively what's nice is that being able to be a young female in 
a time like we are in now where it's definitely more encouraged. You are looked at as inspiring. You are seen as someone who is forging a path or, you know, kind of setting a blaze a time that um, didn't exist for a lot of women up until very recently, which is kind of crazy. So being able to at least live in this time now where we're starting to get a little bit more spotlight and it's, it's okay that we're a woman or young in the business world. Um, it's becoming more common, which is kind of cool because I think up until this point, there's again, a, a mindset or a construct on people to think you must be a middle-aged man to have reached any sort of success in business. I know those out there can't uh, see you, uh, but uh, Alexa was also was a dancer, uh, a cheerleader uh, with the Orlando Magics. Yes. And um, Alexa is gorgeous. We're just going to flat out say Alexa's you know, gorgeous. <laughs> you. Um, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't think that helps you either. No, I, it doesn't. And it, and it's uncomfortable because I'm not the best at acknowledging maybe what my physical appearance is. Um, so I think the assumption that you cannot be attractive and intelligent is aggressive. Um, you don't know how many times I've heard, wow, you're so smart as if that's shocking. And I would never understand why, like the minute I open my mouth and I start talking to people, they're like, Oh, I just didn't expect that. <laughs> and it wouldn't dawn on me until later that I was like, that was totally rude. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I, I never realized. Um, and then yeah, the, the judgment too, like you walk into a meeting or anything with someone, especially men. And I, the first compliment or, or first thing said to me is, is about my appearance. And then I being younger at the time, didn't realize that that was also not normal <laughs> that when you meet someone, they typically for them to address what you look like first, and then maybe have no interest in what I'm selling or my business or my products whatsoever, because that just wasn't why they wanted to take the meeting with me. So that was, that was a tough lesson to learn. And it's so wrong. It's so wrong. It is. It is. And it, I, I don't know at what point we'll be able to lose the attractive equals dumb and unattractive equals smart. Cause that's just so not the case on, on any level, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I think hopefully we'll get to that point at some point. I, I do see some, not some, I actually have seen, seen a lot of, uh, young, beautiful women really forging, uh, big companies, big careers, uh, forging ahead. Real, I mean, um, becoming billionaires, you know, mm -hmm. multimillionaires, uh, billionaires creating, um, dominating actually, they're really starting to dominate certain fields. Right. And it makes me happy. Oh, it's exciting. I think, the fact that that is becoming more normal or at least more showcased to where we can see it, I think that's a very positive message to be sending. Um, because again, I don't, I can't even count how many times people have asked me, why, why are you doing this? Why are you in the, the world of neurology? Why are you in the world of health? You could be, cause I, cause I did have a modeling career for a while um, too. And that was another part of who I was and what I wanted to do and commercials and all kinds of stuff. And people were like, you should just be doing that. Like you don't have to do anything else because you're prettier because you're this. And it's just like, Oh my God, like, do you guys not hear yourself? That's so discouraging 
to women. So I, I did make a focus for a long time. I joined a group called um, the Science Cheerleaders, and it was a group of women that either danced in the NBA professionally or cheered in the NFL um, or other kind of professional sports world um, who also had a career and degrees in a STEM field. So science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, and so we traveled all over, attended you know, the science and engineering conference in Washington, DC, which is a huge, very, uh, you know, accoladed, uh, spot to be able to be and speak and encourage young women, especially at a young age that it doesn't have to be a boy thing to be into science. And it's okay for you to also, uh, I don't know, be, be smart and, and also do something that makes you feel pretty or makes you feel talented or even sexy. Like there's no shame in that either. You know, having to own that as a woman is it's part of who we are. And I think that that's, it should be encouraged, um, but it should be encouraged on both ends. I'd really like to see you have um, uh, a crossover between um, your passion and what you're, you know, what you're good at. Uh, the two of them together, you know, mm-hmm. um, have you, uh, out there showing it. Right. No, it's, it's, it's yeah. a platform that I didn't realize when I was like younger and maybe that's, maybe that's where the thirties will kick in and it'll be the, the age where I've learned enough to actually, you know, start to make a difference and speak out on it. Cause, cause I definitely used to stay silent and never say a damn word about anything. And now I'm like, no, this is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That, you get that in your thirties. You, yeah, you start to not not care as much as you did about what right. people think. <laughs> uh, as I, as someone I uh, admire in the um, uh, radio industry says, she says uh, the only people whose uh, whose opinion I worry about are the people I respect. Yeah, as it should be. You know, it's and you can respect people from different viewpoints too, and still have, you know, great, great respect for them. So I like it. <laughs> well, Alexa, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking this time and uh, sharing uh, yourself and what you do. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh. Um, you can find Alexa at itcomesnaturally.org or on Instagram at itcomesnaturally underscore org. Um, when I was checking out your uh, webpage last night, you have a contact form on there. So if people want to reach out and uh, hire you, ask you questions and uh, get healthy, they can do that. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. And I want to talk to everybody else out there and say thank you for joining us and listening to Selfaholic. Um, I am very grateful for everyone that is tuning in. And uh, please stay tuned for the next episode. Blessings, everyone. <laughs>